everybody. Welcome to the Friday night edition of Minipod. I'm Donald Wayne, your host and the oldest member of the duo of Tristalk. I appreciate you joining me for a Friday night. I, I hope everybody had a great Friday and, and uh, a great week. Uh, I know that's kind of hard to, to do sometimes, especially when you have a hard job or if life has been a little bit uh, unreasonable with you. But, um, you know, there's always next week. And I I hope it was as pleasant as it could be. Um, So tonight I'm going to do something a little bit different for Minipod. Well, actually, I've been doing stuff different all week. But, um, oh, yeah, the first thing I want to mention, let me key this down a little bit. I, I was checking the Facebook postings um, earlier today, and I noticed uh, that I that we got a, a I don't know if you call it a negative comment. I'm not sure how to describe it. I'm not really a big Facebook user. I started doing it more or less. Uh, at the urgings of Dennis Lee, because he 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 does it um, or was doing it more often than I do it. So um, I, I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll start trying to post some articles and stuff as well. So it's just not one of us doing it. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook, but then again, I kind of like some of the responses that we've gotten since we've been using it more for Tristalk the last year. Uh, and that's something we actually forgot to, uh, we actually passed a year's anniversary of doing Trice Talk this past week. And because Dennis Lee was out, uh, we didn't really, and, and I wasn't doing live shows, it didn't really make mention of it, but we did. We actually crossed over the one year mark this past week. I'm not quite sure. I think it was on the 5th or possibly the 6th when that occurred. So we've survived a year, folks. But anyway, um, when when I was reading the Facebook uh, comments, somebody posted that, uh, and it didn't refer to a specific art- article, I don't think, but it said that 
based on their fact checking, the article was false. Now, that's the first time that's ever occurred to me. And, I, and again, I'm not that savvy about Facebook. I'm not sure which posting they're talking about, which show that I posted, or even one of the articles possibly that I posted because they don't reference it, which is kind of frustrating for me because I don't mind somebody disagreeing with the things that we say, or especially what I say on Tri's Talk or on the mini pod, because it is a free country still, even though liberals are trying to change that. Um, I, I think if you're going to disagree with somebody, or especially if you're going to call the information that they're, they're providing you as false, that they need to be specific which makes me believe this person, whoever uh, posted that, was probably a liberal because they, they're in the habit of really not giving you specifics. You know, that's why they like to use terms like racist or white supremacy or white privilege without really specifying which particular things you're talking about or the person may be doing that you consider to be one of those things, okay? They just blanket everything. So, you know, they labeled one of the articles, and it must have been one of the more recent ones, I would think, but they said that it's false. Now, I'm going to say this not too often, but I'm going to say it tonight in response to that person who has a right to their opinion, although when you say that it's uh, fact-checked, you really ought to reveal your sources as well, because... (laughs) I could say, well, our stuff is fact-checked. But here's the thing. Dennis Lee and I use articles all the time, and and we typically don't use the same resources because we don't sit together in a room and pick out the stuff that we're going to talk about. We do it independently. And I have my sources that I like to use, like Mike Huckabee's um, evening or morning edition newsletters. Uh, Epic Times, I like to use... Newsmax. Occasionally, I will use something from Fox News or I will go to other sources. And I have been known, if you listen to the show uh, quite often, uh, that I I use stuff from CNN. Um, It's hard for me to find stuff that I can agree with on CNN, but I do use them. And I don't always use stuff that I agree with. So to whoever this person is that didn't like or, or, or considers whatever article they're referring to to be false and based on their fact checkers. Uh, I wish you would uh, communicate a little bit more about what you disagree with or what you think is false. But th- again, the stories that we use, we get off of the internet, off of one of those sources that I just said. And I use these sources because one, I like them. I like the way they're writing style, uh, especially Mike Huckabee, because he's kind of like me, although he has a lot more money than I do. But, you know, we try to inject a little bit of humor in some of the things that we're talking about. Um, I grew up that way. My family history is uh, that we don't take too many things seriously um, unless we just are forced to. And Dennis Lee is the same way. He comes from the same lineage. He unfortunately got the same uh, family curse of trying to turn many things into uh, humorous subjects. 
So we do not fact check. We do not have staffs. Dennis Lee and I work independently and we do not have a staff to go out and verify everything in the articles that we use. I trust that I forget something off of uh, Mike Huckabee's site that pretty much uh, everything is on the up and up. Or if I get something from Newsmax or if I get something from uh, the Epic Times. Uh, or if I use sources of people that I'm familiar with, like Dan Bongino or uh, Tucker Carlson or somebody like that. But we do not independently fact check them. So can we say 100% that we know everything that that in the articles that we read or use for the shows are 100% accurate? No, we cannot. And we've never said that we do. And then we also, you need to remember this when you're listening to our shows. We present these stories that we get and we tell you 99.9% uh, .9 of the time the sources that they're not our stories, that we're using other people's stories, okay? And then we will tell you, you know, when we're giving an opinion. Well, this is my opinion about this situation. This is my opinion about this. So between, you know, using other people's stories that we tell you that we're using other people's stories and then expressing our opinion, and I hate to tell you, uh, whoever you are that didn't like the information in one of those articles. Opinions aren't always 100% accurate, but they are opinions and you have a right to them. And I form my opinions based on the things that I can access and read or that I see on the news or just my opinions in life in general about the things that I uh, am bothered by in society. So there you go. So when you don't agree with somebody's opinion, you know, usually the best route to say is, well, I don't agree with you, but to throw this fact checker stuff in here, you really ought to at least give the courtesy if you have the courage. And if you really, uh, have uh, contradictory information, you ought to be specific. So that way, if there's something that you disagree with, uh, that is factual, you know, we might go back and look at that. And then if we find out that uh, our information was wrong, we we uh, have an opportunity to correct that if we want to. But again, since we're using other people's information, we're not obligated to do that. You know, we, we say many times, uh, you know, we try to present information or we try to provoke thought just to think about these subjects. We don't expect everybody to agree with us, but you know, here it is as we see it uh, or as we have the information in front of us. And now you go and make your own judgments based on your research. So there you go. Um, so I'm going to make it easy tonight because I'm not going to do any political stuff other than my 10-minute uh, commentary right there. I'm going to do you know, something that I don't normally get a lot of opportunities to do. I'm just going to try to do some happy stuff tonight. I'm taking a break. It's been a long week, and I've been doing the show 
by myself at times that I normally don't do it by myself. And um, I, I just like to talk about something happy for a change. So those of you who listen to Trice Talk and many pods just to get uh, uh, here, here's some uh, political stuff or some um, social stuff. Tonight, you're not going to hear political stuff. Although some of what I'm going to relay to you tonight may be considered social. Um, so the first thing I'm going to do, well, it's, um, it's a neat story. And so many of the times the, the, the stories that you hear in the news about police officers, and I know there are some positive ones, but uh, there's a lot more negative, especially if you listen to uh, stations like CNN or MSNBC or ABC, CBS or NBC, because they tend to highlight the bad stuff. At least when I've watched them, okay? So don't come back with that fact-checking crap. Um, so this is a story about a police officer. And I got this story from, um, it's, oh gosh, now, uh, well, let me click over here to the story itself. Maybe I don't have the source on there. Aha. Okay. It's the Epic Times. Sorry. Got this story in the Epic Times. The story is from the Epic Times. If that person who likes to do fact checking is listening. And it's in the life and tradition section. And it's by, it says, usually there's a author's name on there. This time it just says by EMG inspired staff. I'm not sure what that is, but it's dated July the 2nd. So it's a few days old, but at the title of the story is Rhode Island police officer mows a 73 year old woman's lawn after noticing the overgrown yard. And it's a short story, so I'll, I'll just go through it quickly. But uh, I'm going to post this tonight on Facebook. And I think at the very bottom of the article, there's a little video that a neighbor took of the police officer mowing the grass. Yeah, I think it's here at the bottom. So you may be able to click on that if you're interested and just watch this police officer in action. And, and kind of the neat thing for me is... Uh, Gosh, it's almost been 10 years ago now, but I actually um, had an opportunity to go up into Rhode Island where this story takes place and actually stayed in uh, a little town uh, called Warwick, Rhode Island, where this also takes place. So when I see stories about uh, this area, it's like, gosh, I remember being there. And there were some awfully nice people in Warwick, Rhode Island. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed meeting some of the people that I met while I was up there a few years ago, actually working some uh, disaster relief. But um, all right, let me do the article. It goes... When a Rhode Island police officer noticed an overgrown yard during his routine patrol, instead of just ignoring it, he took the effort to stop by and mow the lawn for the elderly woman, winning the praise of citizens for his service to the community. 
Officer Matthew Karadimos, I'm hoping I pronounced that correctly, from the Warwick Police Department, performed a welfare check on May 21st in the King Street neighborhood after seeing the overgrown yard. And this is reported by WJAR. I don't know if that's TV or radio. Uh, curious to find out more about the reason behind the long grass. Karadimos first knocked on the door of the house but got no response. The officer then approached a neighbor in hopes to find out more about the owner or the overgrown yard. However, Amanda Goodenson, who resided just across the street, said she was unaware of where the homeowner was and hadn't seen her lately. Karadimos then approached another neighbor who told the officer that the 73-year-old woman was fine and at work, but found it difficult to find a landscaper to cut the grass. And if you see the picture, once you look at the picture of this yard, it is pretty high. I mean, it's uh, approaching three foot, three foot deep, as we would say. So with a desire to help, Karadimos returned to his patrol car with an idea. Then the officer then caught hold of a man who came through the intersection and didn't stop at the stop sign. I said, hey, really? I was right there, Karadimos recalled. He got a kick out of it, and, and, and the driver apologized and said, uh, Karadimos said, I'll tell you what, do you have a lawnmower? The driver returned with a lawnmower, obviously lived in that neighborhood close by, and the officer got to work. I just felt like if she needed some sort of assistance or help, then why not give her a hand, he reasoned. On hearing the sound of the mower, Goodenson came out of her house and captured a video of the officer in uniform tending to the lawn and shared it on Instagram. I thought it was really nice, she said. And there's... Uh, at least two pictures here, uh, still pictures of the officer mowing the grass. And then, like I said, I think there's a video here at the bottom of the article. Karadimos, who was unaware that he was being filmed, said, I was focused on the grass and making sure the lines were straight. Well, I wouldn't be too hard to get those lines straight based on the height of the grass. Needless to say, the homeowner, Ellie, Ke Ellie Kelly, how about that? was grateful to the officer for going above and beyond his call of duty. He just cut it, Kelly said. I was like, wow, I started to cry. Warwick Police Department also recognized the kind gesture and tweeted the video writing, oftentimes police work is about giving back to our great community. Karadimo said he hopes that more people get the opportunity to see the Warwick Police Department and other officers engaged in activities like that, helping citizens out and not just dealing with the criminal aspect of the job. Meanwhile, Kelly and another neighbor who heard of her struggle to find a landscaper referred her to a friend who agreed to cut her grass once every week. So I just thought that was a neat story, and I thought that was a, a good way to start out uh, the podcast tonight and a good way to end the work week. Um, I dare say that's probably not something that you'll see done too often by police officers mowing somebody's grass, but um, 
I think it's a nice gesture. And it's certainly something the officer didn't have to do. But it's, you know, sometimes that's amazing uh, when people, that's, that's, that's important when people do stuff that they don't have to do. You know, it's one thing to do your job and do things that are required by your job. But to stop and do something that you just, you're not expected to do, you don't have to do, there's no pressure to do it. The woman wasn't there. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think that the woman would have even known who did the yard if the neighbor across the street hadn't have, uh, filmed it. So kudos to, uh, officer Karadimos and the Warwick police department and, uh, it would be nice if we could hear more stories like this in our country to kind of offset a lot of the negative stuff that the uh, mainstream media likes to talk about. All right. So start out on that happy note. Let's go to, um, I saw this, this is kind of a, um, a science article, if you will, science and, uh, med- uh, medicine, medical medicine, whatever article. And, um, I kind of picked it because I thought it was, you know, the story is interesting news and it's exciting news. If it's something is looks like something that's about to break in the market based on what I can read here. And this I found on a site called Good News Network. I don't know if um, any of you have ever uh, clicked on that before, but I was looking for some happy news tonight, and this seemed this little network popped up, and there's a lot of good happy news stories on this network. But I, again, I picked this one because I think it's uh, if if it's all accurate, it's going to be an exciting time that's going to benefit a lot of people in this country, not only, but around the world. So the title of the article is simple blood test that can detect 50 types of cancer is now accurate enough to be rolled out. And this is, was written by Andy Corbley of the good news network. And it's, um, it's about a week old It's June the 28th, 2021. So it starts out, whereas a cancer screening requires making an individual appointment with a physician, this simple blood test can screen for 50 separate cancers and detect them at a rate well above the average for tests. Researchers have been working on this for years. Reporting on a large study released in March 2020, GNN learned that if we could achieve earlier detection for just half of cancer patients, we could save millions of lives every year worldwide. Aimed at individuals who are age 50 plus, the ease and thoroughness of the test process can help detect some difficult to diagnose cancers when they're in their early stages, such as some blood cancers, ovarian cancer, head and neck cancer, and pancreatic cancer. Developed by a U.S. biotech company called Grail, the trials of around 3,000 people 
looked for small leaks of altered DNA that seep from tumors into the bloodstream. The test uses machine learning, a type of artificial intelligence, to look for changes in DNA, uh, let's see, methylation, I think it's methylation. Uh, DNA methylation is a record of changes, often damage, which DNA experiences over its lifetime and is being theorized as a possible detector of cancer, but also as the truest marker of biological aging. Some cancers, like pancreatic, were detected with 63% accuracy, even at stage one. Critically, the most successful rates of detection were found in non-solid tumors, i.e. tumors for which there are no screening methods, like liver, pancreatic, and esophageal cancers. Best of all, the false positive rate was less than seven-tenths of a percent. Compare this to 10% for mammography, and the test was able to detect the location in the body where the cancer was growing at a rate of about 90%. Another trial of the GRAIL test conducted by the UK's National Health Service and of 140,000 volunteers recently wound up, and those results are expected in 2023. In a statement, the NHS cancer chief, Peter Johnson, said, this latest study provides further evidence that blood tests like this could help the NHS meet its ambitious target of finding three-quarters of cancers at an early stage when they have the highest chance of cure. This data is encouraging, and we are working with GRAIL on studies to see how this test will perform in clinics across the NHS, which will be starting very soon. So I think that's, I think that's an amazing development if, if all of this information is accurate here because so many cancers... Um, are difficult to detect, like the pancreatic cancer, I believe. And I'm not stating this as fact. This is what I can recall to the best of my ability, that that's one of the harder ones to uh, to detect before it gets to the critical stage or the point of no return stage. So if, in fact, this turns out to be as promising as they're saying here, that will certainly be good news. So that was the first good news story there. All right. And since this is a mini pod, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I typically run about 30 to 45 minutes. So I'm going to do one more quick story. And even though on the surface it may seem to be political, and some of you may have already heard this story the other day, but I'm going to use it because um, I like it. Uh, I think it's a sweet story, regardless of your political affiliation. So uh, let's see, on July the 7th, which was a couple of days ago, Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter celebrated their 75th anniversary. 
So I found this story on the Good News Network, and uh, even though I saw this story on on the on Fox News the other day, I thought I would go ahead and just relate this little story here in Good News Network. Um, and it doesn't really designate an author author on this one either. It's just titled Jimmy and Rosalind Carter celebrate 75 years of marriage today. And that would have been July the 7th. Both a former president and a Nobel Peace Prize laureate, Jimmy Carter has called Marilyn, Marilyn, marrying Rosalind a pinnacle of my life. The loving pair were both born in the 1920s, three miles and three years apart from each other in Plains, Georgia. And I've been to Plains, Georgia. Uh, actually, when I first moved to Georgia eons ago, um, Jimmy Carter was still the president, and it was a big thing. A lot of people went to Plains, Georgia on the weekends, especially, and sometimes you know in the summer during the week. But it was a—it's just a little pit stop of a town in Georgia, or at least it was then, and. Uh, since I heard that, you know, that was on the map of things to do in Georgia back then. I think this was 1979. So I went down there and it was an interesting little experience. Of course, it didn't get anywhere near uh, where the Carters live. But, uh, you know, part of the spiel they give you when they talk about visiting a, a town such as that, they say, well, you know, uh, the former president. Uh, well, actually, he was the president at that time. Uh, he and, uh, Mrs. Carter show up in town sometimes to come over, uh, and, and buy something either at the hardware store or at this little ice cream shop. So, you know, I was excited thinking I might get to, to, uh, see Jimmy Carter, even though I wasn't really a Democrat at that time. But anyway, Plains, Georgia was is is a neat little place. I don't know what it's like now since he hadn't been president uh, for a number of years. But it's still a lot of people like to go down there because uh, they still get a chance to see him from time to time in town. Rosalind, who was best friends with Jimmy's little sister, thought Jimmy was the most handsome man she had ever seen. The article says. The pair became inseparable, but when Jimmy, then a young U.S. Naval Academy student, proposed to his sweetheart, she initially said no. Rosalind had promised her dying father when she was 13 that she wouldn't get married until she finished college. She kept that promise, and the pair married in the summer of 1945 after Rosalind graduated from Georgia Southwestern. The best thing I ever did was marrying Rosalind, Jimmy said. Born on October the 1st, 1924, Carter has now lived longer than any other U.S. president in history. And today, his long-lasting marriage is an impressive 75 years old. Carter, who is also one of the few American presidents to have ever received the Nobel Peace Prize, was recently responsible for creating a new health clinic in a small town that had been without a physician for four months. He leased out a portion of his own property in order to launch a solar farm powering half of his hometown. 
and his charity has become a major contributor in making guinea worm the second disease ever to be eradicated. I don't know what guinea worm is. Never heard the term. I, I wish Dennis Lee was around tonight so I could <laughs> I could bounce that off of him. But I have to look that up. Uh, make let me write that down because I I've got to see what a guinea worm is. Of course, although probably not a very attractive worm. All right. So anyway, he helped a major contributor helped eradicate that disease. Initially, Carter was diagnosed with stage four melanoma in 2016. I, I remember that in the news. And even though he was undergoing treatment, he still spent his time building homes for the needy you know, through his Habitat for Humanity program. Thankfully, his immunotherapy treatments proved to be successful, and he was declared cancer-free several months later. Wife Rosalind has always been by his side in these efforts. Together, they have volunteered for the housing organization for 36 years, during which time they have helped build thousands of homes. Both President and Mrs. Carter are determined to use their influence for as long as they can to make the world a better place. Their tireless resolve and heart have helped to improve life for millions of the world's poorest people, a Carter Center spokesman said in his statement. Now, as I said, I'm not a Democrat. If you've listened to Trice Talk any length of time, you know that. Um, but I have always, from from the time, I really didn't know much about Jimmy Carter and didn't pay much attention to him, even though he uh, supervised one of the worst periods of economy in American history outside of the Depression. Uh, I said one of the worst, so that fact checker is going to listen to us again I'm not saying it was the worst, but it was a terrible time. I know because I lived it. But the thing about it is he's, by all practical appearances, he's a good man. He and Rosalind are good people and caring people. They're religious people. And this uh, Habitat for Humanity program that he started I guess this, this article said it was 36 years ago. Um, I've actually participated in at one time. I worked for some uh, large company uh, in Atlanta, and uh, they they wanted us to be involved with the volunteering because uh, I think it's once a month uh, that they get together and uh, – pretty much uh, finish a house. You know, uh, other crews go in and frame it up, put, pour the slabs and so forth. But they build these houses and then they give them free of free and clear to various uh, people of need in, in, in Atlanta and then other areas of the country. And I'm not familiar what other areas they go to. But anyway, I participated in this one. And one of the requirements of receiving this home is that you have to be there working 
with the crews that build the house. Now, I don't know that that's true of the framing part, but when we get to the sheetrock or when they get to the sheetrock and and uh, putting fixtures in and anything that is feasible that you can help do, you're expected to be there working on the house. So that particular, it was on a Saturday, I, I went to work and um, I showed up there with some other co-workers and they, I ended up being on the roof, even though I wasn't a roofer, but I had done some small roofing. And fortunately, it was only a single story house, so it wasn't that it wasn't scary at all. But I met the lady that was going to receive the house, and she seemed like a very nice person who had been struggling. And uh, just to see her face and uh, being around her and knowing that she was going, this was going to be her home, something that she had never had before of her own. And I think she had a couple of kids, but um, anyway, it was a wonderful experience. And, and I really wish that I'd had the opportunity to do it more uh, for a number of years. And it, it's, it's such a great organization. And Jimmy Carter is just, such a wonderful person, although I disagree with almost everything that he believes politically. But see, that's the wonderful thing about this country, and it used to be easier for people to disagree with each other about even major things, but then as long as they were good people, as long as you liked the person themselves, then you overlooked their political views. You overlooked their outlook on life. And many times you would even overlook if you were different religions, those things didn't used to matter as much as they matter right now. Uh, Oh, and I wasn't going to get political. So anyway, I think he's a great person and I just, I wish them all the best in the world. Um, I think he's a wonderful man who just probably wasn't right for the job of president of this country, but I don't think that, uh, I think that he did the best that he could and he did what he thought was right uh, to the best of his ability was when he was in office. And uh, that doesn't take away from the human being that he is, he and his wife, Rosalind. So kudos to them. Congratulations for being married 75 years, folks, that's a long time. And being the longest living uh, president in history, that's pretty impressive too. So again, congratulations to them. All right. I'm done for tonight, pretty much. Um, and and I really didn't uh, skirt it on political, but I I didn't go there. I could have gone there a little bit more with the Jimmy Carter story, but so um, I do have a, I'm going to start doing some closing thoughts because I miss doing that on the mini pods. And um, I'm going to try to do that when I can here. Uh, when I can find something, it, you really, it's hard to find things that you want to use sometimes. Uh different stuff anyway. So let me key in what I've got to do here 
And then I'll do the closing thought. All right. Let me get this going because I got a long intro on the closing song. So my closing thought for tonight is the older you get, the more quiet you become. Life humbles you so deeply as you age. You realize how much nonsense you've wasted time on. That's kind of a deep thought if you really think about it. I appreciate you listening to this edition of Minipod. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow night, Saturday night, and then uh, be back Sunday for Trice Talk, maybe live. I don't think Dennis Lee is going to be back till Tuesday, but I may go ahead and try to do a live show Sunday night. We'll just see if I can coerce uh, someone to co-host with me. But I hope everybody has a great weekend and uh, stay safe, everybody.